Welcome, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. We're very glad to have you listening. This is Bob and my co-host, Mara, and this is You Are Okay, which is powered by Blog Talk Radio. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you for being with us this morning. We are glad you're here. Has everyone had a great week? I have. It's been a great week for me. have had just a lot of great things happen, and I'm very much at peace. And just want to say thank you to the universe. And thank you to Mara. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. You are okay. I'm glad you had a great week, Bob. That's wonderful news. Peace be with you. Thank you, and with you, too. Thank everyone for being here with us with our appointment with God, Allah, Yahweh, uh, Jehovah, whoever it is that's your God or whoever it is that you wake up and, and are thankful to each day. And hopefully everyone's been thankful every day. In the morning, remember, get up out of bed and just say thank you before you let your feet hit the ground. Just say thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, and, talk. and maybe I... Go ahead. Oh, no, you know, I was just going to add to that. When you're saying thank you for everything just the way it is in the morning, just kind of say, hey, you know, I know you're there with me, so guide me and be with me as I move forward through this day. It's kind of a combo deal, uh, like going to a fast food restaurant. It it clears two different components of starting your day all at one time for really the, in the same period of time. So it's a wise use of time. It's an efficiency. It's economically sound. You can uh, say thank you for all that is just the way it is, and then thank you for being with me as I move forward through this day. Great idea, great idea. It is important to remember that it is thanking and asking to be thanked, too. There's nothing better than that. The friends, we'd like you to let us know how we're doing on the show. If you would, as you exit the show today, if you would please rate us and please tell your, give us your comments. And if you enjoy the show, tell your friends about it and have them hop on the show either live or after the fact if they're not able to get to it live. I realize there's a lot of people that have obligations on Sunday mornings and that they hop on later on in the week and listen, or you can download it to your iPod and listen in the car on your way to work. So tell your friends. And I just want to thank Mara for all the the daily shows or the Friday shows that she's doing now where she's talking about her book, Uniquely Created, Divinely Inspired You. And I would like to say, did I say the name right? Yes. I did. I don't know. For some reason, something just popped in my head the i've actually been listening more not i don't want to say listening more but uh trying to practice more of the little snippets that we get from your show every week and i've really been maybe even concentrating on those more than the Tao, which we're going to talk about verse two today and introduce verse three but you know, I've just been telling myself the last few weeks the you know that blame does not solve problems, and it's hard when you're faced with some situations not to pass the blame to someone else or even to blame yourself. Even blaming yourself oh, yes. doesn't solve a problem, and that coincidences are opportunities waiting to happen. I've told so many people that in the last couple of weeks when they'll, and I, and I. Don't even think it's just coincidence, since I think it's just everything is an opportunity waiting to happen. It is. You know, uh, one of uh, Neil Donald Walsh's cards says, uh, your greatest triumph uh, will come, essentially it says this, your greatest triumph will come in your moment of greatest trial. And uh, that's because every moment presents an opportunity for you to reach out and be your highest self. And, and that really goes to the... Uh, the concept this week, the passage this week, the don'ts should not for meditation, don'ts should not guide your life. 
you know, do for yourself and others with the purest motivation and no joy. Doing in love is the way. And, you know, I'm so in awe at times at these simple passages that I was honored to scribe for um, love. And it just amazes me, the... uh, the simplicity and yet the depth of the meaning, you know, do for yourself and others. Uh, just knowing that acting in love towards yourself, forgiving yourself, seeing things as more. I was um, in that regard, and I don't mean to go off on a monologue here, but uh, I think it was Friday I was meeting with a friend, a casual friend, and uh, she made a comment about uh, – you know, that another friend of ours who's who's one of my dearest friends for years and years, probably one of my oldest uh, friends, uh, not in terms of age but length of the friendship, he um, he feels very strongly. He's very much into the Dow and to, in, into Wayne Dyer's presentation. And I've said this before, folks, Wayne Dyer really appeals to men. That does not mean that he does not have an appealing message for women, but I, if I'm referring a woman to a book, I will probably pick a different book than a Wayne Dyer book, and uh, because I think he resonates in men, and I love that. But she was saying that our friend was saying, give away that which you don't need. And and that if you believe that you will get everything you need. And she commented, Wayne Dyer apparently lives in a house in Maui and so on. And she says, well, it's real easy to say give away everything if you're living in a house in Maui. I think I, I said this. I think I said the same thing to my partner when we were watching the video. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Great. And I said, well, but see, the whole thing is about this whole idea that don't should not guide your life. What happens is you need to believe you are enough to have a house in Maui. And so often we don't set our aspirations, our beliefs, our wants high enough because we say, well, that's never going to come to me. So don't are guiding that person's life. And so I said to her, well, you know, Jan, here's the deal. I don't know that you want a house in Maui, but what you are doing by not allowing your mind to open up and write about what you would really like, you are depriving yourself. You're putting a block in the path of your manifestation because of the fact that you don't believe you can ever get a house in Maui, but you don't want one. So what happens is we set the standard way out there, well, I'm not going to get this anyway. And so why should I even bother? And I said, so think about what you really want. What would make your life content? Now, frankly, folks, I, I would, wouldn't mind a house in Maui, but I'd settle for one in the Sacramento River. You know? and, but you write it down. And you write it down, and you write it down over and over, and you say it out loud, and you believe in it, and you bring it through your third eye. And so don't Remember that space can move mountains. Exactly. Knock and the door will open. Seek and ye shall find. And so what Dyer is talking about, presumably, uh, because I'm embarrassed to admit, I kind of skim through and feel what he has to say, and I've never finished a whole book of his. But uh, what he is saying is that if you believe and if you ask, it will come to you. But what's going to come to you is what you want, not necessarily what somebody else wants. And so he wants a house in Maui, and God bless him, he has one. But my friend wants something much less, and uh, she shouldn't stop herself from wanting just because she doesn't believe she can get more than she wants. That's kind of, is that kind of an oxymoron? Don't stop yourself from wanting because you won't get more than you want? Do you see what I'm saying? It's sort of a paradox in itself. That's probably the right word. Paradox or a conundrum. People think I am not enough to warrant a house in Maui. Therefore, I am not enough to even ask for anything. Forget it, folks. You're enough to ask for anything you want. And if you want a house in Maui and you truly do, then ask for it. And then call us when you get it. 
Well, call us now. We would yeah, love to have some us. of our listeners call in and give some feedback, comments, questions, suggestions. The call-in number is 646-595-3584. Again, 646-595-3584. Call and us. If you're listening live, we'd love to have you pop in on the show and talk to us a little bit. Tell us what you're thinking. Tell us how you've implemented the Tao in your life, how you've in- implemented love into your life, how you've implemented not blaming others that, to solve your problems, any of yeah, those and, things. Exactly. I, uh, I might, may I just add one more thing to this discussion I was doing? That is that, folks, which do you think is more difficult to get by faith and believing? A house in Maui or life. Yet we know, and most of us who have been brought up in Christian congregations and many in other congregations believe that a woman touched Jesus' cloak and was healed and received life. Which of those is the bigger miracle? Which of those arises from believing that God loves you enough and you are enough? for God to give personal attention to your wants, your desires. To me, that answer is pretty readily apparent. And so, my friend, if you're listening out there, I hope you're writing. Writing. You deserve everything you want. You're a beautiful spirit. As is everyone that's listening and everyone who's not listening. Everyone is. Yeah, that's right. Wouldn't you imagine, Bob, wouldn't it be exciting? I'm a little bit hyper today. I probably had too much coffee. But wouldn't it be exciting for all of us to come together someday? Because I know that the combined total of all of us who are participating in this revolution of love would be this gigantic stadium full of spiritual light. They write about it, you know, in the Hindu faith, and that is that there is actually an energy, a light in each one of us. And I believe together we would manifest it. And it would be a bright light with everyone there. Absolutely. It would be hugely bright. Anyway, thank you for letting me digress, Bob. Oh, no problem. I think what we'll do is we'll go into our centering exercise and into our breathing exercise. And I just want everybody to know, we always say to take three breaths while we're doing the breathing exercise. And last night I was, it just kind of came to me that, yeah, three breaths are very important when you're in a moment of chaos or when you're in a moment where you just need to have that peace and center yourself. But during the breathing exercise, take as many deep breaths as you can and exhale them It's not only to help center yourself, and it's also healthy. It's also good for your body, good for your spirit to just breathe, take those deep breaths and pull them up through your legs and into your chest and pull in as much air as you can. And during the breathing exercise, do that as many times as you feel comfortable. It's during those other times when... We're not doing a concentrated breathing exercise that you'll want to take those three deep breaths in order to center yourself. So even as we're reading the centering exercise each week, you can be start your breathing exercises then. There is a seed in you that is your center. It is your spiritual center and is the place where your love sprouts and grows. It lies in the heart in the deepest place of your being where love is never ending. It is the place where love can find protection. Love can find its root. Love can find its wings to grow. This is your center. This is the place in you that holds heart with harmony. This is the place in which you matter. From your heart you are centered. You are in a green, growing place of love. Love starts with you and shines its face on you. Love loves you. Love spreads to your neighbors, to the world. You are centered. You are love. You are centered in the wonder of love. 
Begin taking those deep breaths, pulling the air up through your feet, up through your shins and through your thighs into your lower body and up through your the trunk of your body, pulling that air into your lungs. And inhale as much air as you can. Inhale that air and fill those lungs up. Fill the lungs up. And then as you exhale the air through your mouth, picture that that air is coming up over the top of your head and flowing back down your back and it's lining up your chakras. It's making you feel balanced and centered. And exhale all of the air. Let all the air out of your lungs. All that stale air that stays there. Exhale all of that air out. And today as we are taking our deep breaths, let's think of patience and love, peace, contentment, and thankfulness. Let's not blame others to solve our problems. Let's not blame ourselves. Let's remember that we all need to be patient. And we need to surround ourselves and enfold ourselves in love and in peace. And as we concentrate on these words, patience, love, prosperity, peace, contentment, thankfulness, Be thankful that you do have patience. See yourself being a more patient person. See yourself loving more, giving more of yourself, giving more of your time, giving more, and you'll feel more at peace. Let go of the chaos. Let go of that need to be approved, the need for approval. Let it go. You are enough. You are enough. You are enough. And with that, I'll leave you with Dolmen Ridge by David Caballero. Enjoy the music and continue breathe deep breaths.
That is beautiful. That was truly beautiful, Bob. Phenomenal selection. I can't speak for everyone else, but I can tell you that I could feel it rolling up and down my spine, opening my crown chakra. It was truly beautiful, just lovely. It was music that caused me to feel connected with love. For those of you who are new to our program, know that love is the word we use as much as possible to to describe God because it's such a softening word. Let us all reach out our right arm and start encircling the planet with our energy. Let each one of us connect with the other, knowing that singly we alone can create a revolution of love on this planet. And that together, each of us collecting our energy are beginning a momentum that will be difficult to change as long as we believe that love is the way. It's a message that's been delivered forever, for day after day after day, and yet those who've delivered it have been chastised, have been called crazy, have been called unworthy. It's no accident that Bob and I are here. We're very successful in our careers, careers that are not imagined to be associated with loving each other. And what we try to do to mark our handling of matters to the extent we can is to move in love. There are times when we fail, and for that we are appreciative that there are opportunities to rise up again and forgive ourselves. And the same is true for each of you. Today we're going to be talking about opposites. Let's reach our left arm out and feel the connection with the other side. Now we've completely encircled this planet. And as you think of opposites, realize that means that if you are loved, there are those who are not loved. And now I would like you to envision sending bubbles of love, of light, iridescent light, out from your heart to all of those who do not show love in your opinion. Imagine that bubble of light encircling that person, capturing them, and holding them close to you, knowing that we are of the body and the body is one. Reach out, reach out. Send bubbles. Pretty soon, we're like children in fifth grade, blowing bubbles, blowing them around the world. See this planet immersed and the wondrous light coming from the bubbles as we send love to those who do not know love. As we send unconditional love just as we are given unconditional love by love, by God, by Yahweh, by Allah, by Jehovah, by the Great Spirit, by the Eternal One, by the Infinite Mystery. Feel that love circling the planet. Now see it in your mind's eye. Open your third eye, your brow chakra. Open it and imagine bubbles, bubbles of love floating around the planet, encasing people who are not acting in love. And realize that it is in the opposites that we know the wonder. The light that we see of our planet, encased by the light, the energy of our combined love, and the bubbles floating around the planet, they're getting bigger and brighter and fuller. But those bubbles are taking on their sharp contrast because we are looking at our planet in our third eye against the backdrop of the black sky of the heavens. And in that, we know that this small planet on which we live, this small planet in which light is possible, is all that there needs to be to light the universe. As St. Francis of Assisi reminds us, a single match breaks the darkness. We send love to all of you, and we ask that you do the same, and that we send it to this planet, and that as we move through our day, we act in love toward those around us, even when their conduct is unloving. 
We try and we try, 40 times 40 times 40, and we never lose faith in remembering that something happened to cause this person to be who they are now and that it takes a long time to teach someone to hate. But remember, a single match, a single flame, a single bit of love can turn the corner. And when we fail because we forget to ignite the match, let us forgive ourselves and remember that it's not what we did yesterday that matters as much as what we do now. We ask this in the name of all that is holy, which is all that is. Um, thank you, Bob. Thank you. Thank you. What I wanted to do really quick today before we get to start talking about the Tao verse 2 is that we, we talk about Don Miguel Ruiz a lot on the show and one of the four, on his book, The Four Agreements. And one of the agreements is to be impeccable with your word. And I was looking through, he has a companion book to The Four Agreements. And there was an exercise here that I thought I could have used last week for the week that was, has just passed. And I thought, you know, that everyone could use this and, you know, could probably use it, you know, more than one time. And it goes very much with blame does not solve problems as well. And the exercise is something goes like this. When we believe something, this is with, from his book, is when we believe something, we assume we are right about it to the point that we will destroy relationships in order to defend our position. And he goes on then to say to do this exercise is complete. He says, let go of the need to defend your opinions and always be right. And then he wants you to complete the following sentences. I'm going to read these sentences. I'm not going to finish them. They're for you to finish individually for yourselves over time. And it's, I know that I am right because, fill in the blank, other people are usually wrong because, fill in the blank, I need to prove that I'm right because, fill in the blank, it's important to defend my opinions and my point of view because, and fill in the blank. And then remember that your opinion is nothing but your point of view. It is not necessarily true. And then he goes forward and asks you to list four times when defending your opinion caused emotional drama in your relationships with others. And to list four compelling reasons not to defend your opinions or always be right. And then he asks us to make a commitment to spend one hour, then four hours, then one day, then one week at a time without defending your opinions. He says, being impeccable with your word is the correct use of your energy. It means to use your energy in the direction of truth and love for yourself. Hard exercise, huh, folks? But I'm going to challenge myself to do that and not throw my opinions out when try that for an hour and then for four hours and for a day and see how, how much better it makes me feel and see how much less chaos there is and how much more peace it comes as a result. I think that's a beautiful exercise, Bob. It causes us, I believe, to... Um, really pick our battles carefully. Not that life has to be about battles, but certainly um, it causes us to evaluate, is this really important? And as I've practiced what Don Miguel Reese uh, suggests there, I've come to know there are many times when I just stay silent. There's nothing that I can say. And there are other times when I, I do speak out and you know, then that becomes what's right for me, whether it's necessarily the peaceful thing to do. Um, but I, I would like to add to that that when you do choose to speak out, to, quote, be right, 
that you look for the highest words that you know to say and do that. Um, don't, you know, don't speak out in anger and anguish in the midst of chaos, but instead step back and invite God, reconnect, reconnect with love and ask love to guide your words. And when you're speaking in loving words, it, it makes such a huge difference. I've said this before. You know, when you say love, damn it, it doesn't quite sound the same or feel the same, does it? Love bless you. What would love do now? It causes us to recenter and focus on our nature and our connection one to the other. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. So, would you be kind enough to give us a rereading of the Tao, the second verse, this morning? Of course, I'd be honored. I'm going to use Dr. Wayne Dyer's translation, which is, Under heaven all can see beauty as beauty only because there is ugliness. All can know good as good only because there is evil. Being and non-being produce each other. The difficult is born in the easy. Long is defined by the short, the high by the low. Before and after go along with each other. So the sage lives openly with apparent duality and paradoxical unity. The sage can act without effort and teach without words. Nurturing things without possessing them, he works, but not for rewards. He competes, but not for results. When the work is done, it is forgotten. That is why it lasts forever. It really is all about opposites, as you've pointed out. And along that theme, I came across a quote from Elie Wiesel, who was a Nobel, won a Nobel Prize for Peace in 1986. And the quote is, the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. The opposite of art is not ugliness, it's indifference. The opposite of faith is not heresy, it's indifference. And the opposite of life is not death. It's indifference. Wow. How Isn't that true? It is. It's it's the it's indifference. It's how is it that, you know, we come to what I've been thinking about is, you know, how do we've def, we've created all of these oppositions, so to speak, by having short and tall thick and thin, fat and skinny, and beauty and ugly. And, you know, we've always heard that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So that being the case, everything is either beautiful or everything is really ugly, right? It's just yes. this huge paradox that we've, that we've, as man, have created, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it is, you know... Um... I guess, you know what, I love this. Um, I love this story. I don't know if I'm saying it exactly right, uh, but at one point I was studying the Kabbalah, and in the lessons, and I understand there are many teachers out there for the Kabbalah, and I'm not espousing one over the other, but in the lesson that I was studying, they, they said that what happened was they imagined love, God, as a vase and everything was perfect for the vase there was there was nothing to experience and nothing to know because the vase was intact there there it was total it was complete as it was infinite wisdom all in one place infinite peace all in one place so the vase decided to break itself into multiple pieces and then allow the pieces to find their way back to the whole and in the process thought it would be best 
for the pieces not to recognize or not to know that they are one. Isn't that a beautiful story? Yeah, it is. And it, wow. And so we're all working ourselves back to the same place where we are one with each other. And it starts with yourself. Yes. It starts with yourself and believing I am enough. That's right. I really started to think, and I think of things in puppy terms since we have a puppy. And I was thinking, you know, the other day about this and sitting outside thinking, you know, well, of course, well, you know, maybe they are smart. Uh, Sometimes I think she is smarter than I am, or at least she knows how to manipulate me. But, (laughs) you know, they they don't have a, a sense of short and tall, beauty and ugly. As far as we know, they don't. Now, we've created what you will call a breed standard for every dog that's out there that says that they're either too short or too tall or too way too much or they're they're not standing properly or you know and all the things that go along with a breed standard but that's yeah. man made you know you take two dogs they don't i think realize that you know one is shorter or taller than the other or that a rose is prettier than a daylily than a a ficus tree or what have you. It's really in... It's really our humanity that's created that, and it's for selfish reasons, I think. Yes, I think that. It's... um, I love that Pink Floyd song, Us, 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 and Them, Them, Them. We're all just ordinary men. It's part of it. But uh, I, I think that, I sense, that man, um, because people start experiencing conditional love so early in life, you're not enough if you don't do this. You know, we all studied it even in history as far as in terms of our own country. The uh, Puritans were best because the Puritan work ethic gave uh, birth to great clipper ships and great mercantile class and all of these things that, you know, and those somehow made that group better. And we began defining the acquisition and ownership as defining your being better. And then we add education into it. If you, if you acquire an education, you're better. And if you acquire a bigger house, you're better. Obviously, that's ownership. But, you know, as it, it became that I'm not enough unless I have all of these accoutrements and these things. Now, wanting those things is not going to make you enough because you're enough without them. But we have created us and them ways of judging one another. You know, somebody who uh, is on the street in order to excuse our own indifference, using your word for the day, and not sharing what we have, whether it be change or a dollar, or if all we have is a $20, believing that the universe will deliver many times $20 if we share with that person who is our soulmate. But not giving it as you believe that you're going to get that $20 10 times back, giving it because you want to. Exactly, without strength. So many times, yeah. You know that yeah. I think a lot of times people will do do good things thinking that they will get those returned back to them instead of doing it because they want to and they feel good doing it. And yet, you know, uh, and here's the deal: I think they teach in church from the pulpit. I've heard it that you need to do you need to give selflessly without expectation of return. Let's be frank, folks. We're human beings. Part of the human condition is we have this desire for recognition. That's part of why we have us and them. We give more recognition to certain people and certain conducts and and yada, yada, yada. And so in my mind, that's part of the judgment. I don't, I would love, let me back up because I started to say I don't care. And I guess a part of me doesn't care why you do it. I care that you do it. 
Because I think by doing it, by reaching out in love, by sharing, even if you're expecting to get back 20 times that, isn't that what we're talking about, manifestation? So if you believe in your mind, I will share with the homeless. I will share with them, and I want to have 100,000 times what I share. That's okay with me. I, I don't want to judge your motives. I just want to right, see Right, we shouldn't actions. judge motives. Yeah, I want to see the actions. People tie things up with strings and bands. And so, well, I'll only give you 50. Let me take you into this restaurant and feed you. Let me do this. Let me do that. And I've said this before. It's between them and God what they do with their money and me and God and me and love what I do with mine. But I think that it doesn't matter why you are doing it. It doesn't matter what your expectations and even if it makes you feel good. Because I think sometimes people, because they're afraid that their kindly motives are going to be misinterpreted, don't do it all. Just do. Don't be indifferent to people you see in need. And remember that you are connected to them. That at one time we were one whole vase. And they're just part of the vase. And maybe your kind act might open the door for them having a life-changing experience. I think help Bob said it once. Back, help them get back to the oneness. Yeah. Exactly. Bob, one time you... Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, it's them. You know, it's you helping them get back to the becoming one vase again, helping that piece that maybe was a little bit more sharp and severed. Yeah, reminding them that they are, um, exactly, that's perfect. And reminding them they are enough. They're enough for you to give them $20. My love, my love, my love. What could they do with $20? You know, I think you can get a whole suit of clothes at Salvation Army for $20 or Goodwill. They might. That might be a life-changing event. That's the revolution of love we're about here. So, indifference, a big thing. Yep, being indifferent. <clears throat> yeah. The, and remember that when the work is done, is the last verse, or the last line of the verse says, when the work is done, it is forgotten. That's why it lasts forever. And it goes along with what you said. You know, you're giving someone something and it becomes, it may be a life-changing event for them. And maybe not so much for you, but remember when that work is done, when you've done it, forget about it. But it's going to last forever in someone else's mind and yes. heart. Yes, yes, it will. Our kind, kind acts live on. You know, I'm going to give you an example because it, it was such a marvelous experience I had this week that I'm still in awe of it. I have been like telling people. I'm not telling people because I I want them to say, wow, you're special. I'm saying it because I'm in, I am so honored that someone would say this to me. But my boss this week said to me, uh, he's planning to retire at some point and I'm training for his position if I'm, if I'm enough you know, for it. I am enough as a human being, but whether I'm enough to hold that position will be something that remains to be seen. But he said to me this week, I, you are my gift to our employer. Wow. What a kind thing yeah. and something that, that, that should relieve you from that stress of thinking that maybe you aren't enough because he knows you're enough. It's his way of saying you are enough just as you are. Yeah, what a reminder, folks. And look at how he said that to me. So the job of of, of his kind words is done. Those words will live on and will live forever. Forever. 
which really takes us to the voice chakra and the idea that we've talked about in the past that the words you use reverberate around the planet forever. And as Don Miguel Ruiz says, be impeccable with your word. Yes. Don't gossip. Don't blame. Be careful with the words that you select because the words have energy just like everything else has energy. Yes. That energy is going to reverberate out there, as you said. So if you're using negative-sounding words or being negative, that's what's going to come back like a boomerang and come back at you. It's like the law of attraction. You put it out there, it comes back at you. So start thinking positively and start doing things and start taking positive actions. And remember that we need to take action and not just sit on words. Exactly. And remember, in the book of John, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Wow, what a reminder. You know, when we look around us, folks, in all of the religious texts, there's so much to remind us about how to treat one another, uh, to remind us that love is the way. Um, there's so much in every faith in every philosophical journal just about, that is about love, that is about supporting one another, not destruction, you will find reminders about how to treat one another. And words are obviously a key component. This is a day that we've just been wrapping up everything we've been talking about for all these months, huh? It is. I was a friend was over last night, and we were talking about the show, and I was trying to remember how long ago did we start this. And I, I guess it was in, in November. last November already. Yeah, yeah. It was after I broke my hip. I right. started That's in what made October. me remember. I said, I remember when I went on there live by the first time by myself. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, because I started in October and was convincing you that you were a needed component and then broke my hip and you had no choice but to step in. <laughs> that life lesson, that there's always something that comes out of everything, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Something positive if you look for it. Something that will last forever. I mean, it will last forever. And when you start believing you are enough, and you start truly believing you are enough, you start interpreting the world with different eyes and different thoughts. Instead of somebody being out to get you and somebody desiring to harm you, it, it's, it's a miracle. It's a miraculous event. A group of birds start singing, and you're the only one around, and you believe they're singing for you. I mean, it, it's truly a miracle. You begin emitting an energy of self-love that draws other people to you by believing you are enough, just as you are. That's right. Let's not forget that this week as we get ready to go to our jobs or work in our homes or whatever it is that we do during the week. Just remember that and remember not to blame others for anything. It doesn't solve anything. And look for those look for the opportunities and the coincidences and the and everything that comes up. Look for the opportunity in everything. And I'm gonna read two versions of the third verse of the Tao today. The first one will be the one from the Dyer book. And it goes like this. Putting a value on status will create contentiousness. If you overvalue possessions, people begin to steal. By not displaying what is desirable, you will cause the people's hearts to remain undisturbed. The sage governs by emptying minds and hearts, by weakening ambitions and strengthening bones. Practice not doing. When action is pure and selfless, Everything settles into its own perfect place. Wow, I think you just said that a little bit ago. 
<laughs> Wasn't that something? I was listening. I thought, wow. <laughs> you, know? you said a few moments ago about the giving the $20. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read yeah. another one that I found. It's a, I find this one comes from a translation that can be found on www.chinapage.com. And they title it, verse 3, Without Action. And this is their translation of this verse. Not praising the worthy prevents contention. Not esteeming the valuable prevents theft. Not displaying the beautiful prevents desire. In this manner, the sage governs people, emptying their minds, filling their bellies, weakening their ambitions, and strengthening their bones. If people lack knowledge and desire, then they cannot act. If no action is taken... Harmony remains. Wow. They're a little bit different, and that's what I like about reading a couple of the different translations. And again, if you go to Wikipedia, you can find literally hundreds of different translations of the Tao. And some of them talk to you, to me at least, a little differently than the next and kind of give me more of an insight into the meaning of that verse and and we'll come back next week and we'll talk about verse 3. And if and I may we, say, folks, uh, I'm going to interrupt Bob again to just say to each of you, you know, part of the reason we have an interruption is we don't see each other. So there's no way for us to communicate. Bob is all the way in Texas and I'm in California. But I want to say that we should all give a hearty hand clap uh, and thank you to Bob because he does great research. He's taken over the research, and he also has been selecting the music for the Sunday programs, and I am just in awe of how each of those things reverberate all the way through to my core, and so appreciative for Bob doing that, and I think we all should be. Thank you, Bob, and I'm clapping my hands here. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure, and I want to thank everyone for being with us today. And go out and fold yourself in love and fold all of those around you with love and let peace be found in amongst any chaos that you encounter. I'm going to close the show today with uh, Alexa Yardley, and the piece is called Summer Aspens in Taos. It's sort of a just a beautiful piano piece, and I thank you all again for being with us.
Blog Talk Radio. Namaste.